Welcome to the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. My name is Earl Smith. I will be your host for this, the first of many podcasts. You might know me from the website, d1collegewrestling.net. I'm the founder and editor of the site, and I've been doing so since the 2007 and 2008 season. Um, if you ever need to get a hold of me, you can reach me, Earl, at d1collegewrestling.net, on Twitter, at d1cw. Um, this is going to be my second foray into podcasting in the 2010-2011 season, I think it was. I taped an interview with Cornell head coach Rob Cole. Uh, the The content was excellent. He was doing Rob Cole things, kind of talking outlandishly. He took a couple shots at Iowa. It was just excellent. The only problem was it was the sound was terrible. You, it was just unlistenable. So hopefully it's going to be a little better this time. The name of the show, Sudden History, a tip of the Washington Nationals hat that I'm wearing to my pal Jason Bryant. Um, initially, I wanted to call the show Sudden Victory. He thought Sudden History kind of tied into what I wanted to talk about, and that is uh, the history of the sport. Um, I like to think of myself as a young guy. I'm not, I guess, anymore. But uh, my frame of reference goes back to around the year 2000 till now. Um, I think that's a good kind of starting point. The 1900s, whole different century. We're talking about generally the 2000s on. I may have a guest or two wrestled in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I'm not going to turn anybody away, but uh, I'd like to say my expertise, if you want to call it that, is from 2000 on. So since this is the first show, I'm going to walk you through uh, what I want to do in future shows. Um, I may talk a little bit at the beginning, um, but generally I'm going to have guests on and I hope them. I hope for them to be intriguing guests, guests that maybe you haven't heard from in 10 years or so, and you're like, oh, yeah, I liked watching that guy. What's he up to now? You know, if, if you have any suggestions, any requests on people you'd like to hear from, tweet me, send me an email, get a hold of me somehow. Um, so this first first episode, this is going to be kind of a kind of a funny one. Um, the guest we're going to have is me, and I will be debating with myself about one of the topics that you see on the message boards maybe two, three times a year. Um, one of my favorite ones, it's the best wrestlers not to win a national title. Um, I think we all have a couple guys in mind. Um, over the past year or so, I've really looked into this, broken down the careers of about 30 guys or so, looked into every win, loss they've had, kind of weighed them against each other, looked at some of the other stuff they had, uh, yeah, their win-loss records, their seeds at NCAA tournaments, anything that's going to kind of differentiate these guys. And I've broken it down to a top 15 and I'm going to explain a little bit about each guy. I'm going to give you the reasons why they belong in the top 15. And I'm going to give you some reasons why maybe they wouldn't be. Um, 
I guess that may not be the perfect way to explain it, but when I was looking at these guys, I kind of was saying, okay, well, what is the ammo against my argument? So we're going to go through both sides of why they may or may not belong in the top 15. And again, this is going to be from 2000s on. Um, and before I get any emails from some of you guys out there that like to be funny, Henry Cejudo does not count. I'm not looking at international success. Um, sorry, Jamil Kelly. I didn't consider him. You know, I'm just basing this on college career and at the D1 level. For you fans, D2, D3, NAI, I love you guys, but I was just looking at the D1 guys. So I'm going to start from furthest back and work to most recent. The first guy I've got is Brian Snyder of Nebraska. He finished up his collegiate career in 2002. He was just a, a fun guy to watch offensively. Some of you may or may not like it. He kind of brought back that uh, that three-point stance uh, that a lot of guys use right now. Some guys, you know, they may say it's stalling. Um, he used it as his offense, and he very quick level changes from there in on uh, his double legs. Um, so what we have going for him, he was a four-time All-American going fourth, fifth, second, second. Um he was a four-time Big 12 champ, and the Big 12 was super, super tough at that time. Nebraska was still in the Big 12. Um, Missouri, hey, they weren't quite the Missouri that we know of now, but uh, everybody else was, it was nails. Um, if you're looking at his career record, 136-11. and 11. That's a 925 Winning percentage for all you math majors out there. Um, that's the highest in school history at Nebraska. Um, you've had some some pretty good guys there. Jordan Burroughs comes to mind. Did not exceed that 925%. Now breaking down his career losses. Only one of those 11 losses was to a guy who did not All-American in that same season. And that loss was to Jimmy Arias in 1999 when Snyder was a freshman. I will note, Arias was an All-American the year before. In 1998, he was seventh. So, And he was the number seven overall seed. So he, he didn't have any real big slip-ups ever. And then seven of his 11 losses were to wrestlers that would go on to finish in the top three that same season. Again, the guys who beat him were studs. He had the two NCAA Finals losses. Both of them came in the ultimate tiebreaker. That old situation where you got the coin flip, one guy gets out, he wins, he gets ridden out, he loses. He came out on the wrong end, Two years in a row with T.J. Williams and Luke Becker. And he was a two-time runner-up. Of course, that rule has been changed as it should be. 
um, looking at his record against some of the better guys of that time. Five and two career against Luke Becker, who beat him for the 2002 NCAA title. Four and zero against Oklahoma State's Shane Roller, three-time All-American. Um, Snyder was also a one-time NCAA number one seed, which was in 2002. He entered this tournament undefeated. Um, that's all I have for the ammo for him. Let's look at what we have against him. Really, I don't have much. You know, he, he's going to be one of those guys on everybody's list as one of the best guys that hasn't won a title. Uh, you could say he's 0-2 against T.J. Williams. He lost to him, of course, in the 2001 NCAA Final and then in the con season 2000. Yeah, T.J. Williams... <laughs> an Iowa legend, it's kind of excusable. Um, the only other thing I have is in 2000, he was a three seed and upset in the first round by uh, unseated Sean Shepard of Edinburgh. He later went on to defeat him in the Concies. That That's it. You know, I, I don't have much more. There's going to be other guys where I do have maybe stronger cases against them, but, you know, he he is one of the top guys on this list. Moving along, I have Minnesota's Ryan Lewis. He finished his collegiate career at 133 pounds in 2003. Now, Ryan Lewis, he was a guy that just, to me, he kind of exuded toughness and conditioning and, uh, yeah, perseverance. Um, for him, I'm going to start off with uh, some of the knocks on him you may have um, when weighing these guys' careers against each other. Um, I like to have a full four years um, rather than maybe a guy who just had one good year. So a knock on him is his longevity. Um, he did not have a full four years as a starter. Um, he spent his first season at North Dakota State, which was then a D2 school where he was an All-American. Um, he was a backup in 2001 behind All-American Brett Lawrence. So he was really only a starter for two years. Um, so... A knock on him would be only a two-time D1 All-American. Um, this is going to be nitpicking, okay? Because two-time D1 All-American is a stud. But for the intents and purposes of what I'm doing, I'm saying, um, if you can see me, I'm doing the little air quote thing, two-time D1 All-American. Um, <clears throat> his first NCAA... Final loss was to Johnny Thompson. He pinned Thompson in their previous dual meeting that season. Um, he had four losses as a senior. His senior year, he lost in the Big Ten Finals to Cliff Moore. Prior to that, he was 5-1 and one against him. Um, his overall record was 83-15. and 15. It doesn't look 
you know, like a legendary record. It looks, looks good, but not extraordinary. Um, now the argument for him, as I mentioned, he was a backup his sophomore season. So his two year record as a starter, 64 and five, that is pretty darn good. All of his five losses were to wrestlers who were NCAA champions at one point in time in their career. He lost twice to Johnny Thompson, of course, in the NCAA finals. And he lost twice to Cliff Moore and then to Iowa State's Zach Roberson. That's it. That's the list. Uh, Those two years, he was an All-American. He was a runner-up. Both years, NCAA Finals. In 2002, he entered the NCAA Tournament as the undefeated one seed. And then in dual competition, he was 2-0 with Johnny Thompson. So both years, Thompson won NCAA titles. Ryan Lewis beat him in dual competition. So next guy I've got is Tyrone Lewis. He finished his career at 165 pounds for Oklahoma State in 2004. Um, for a 165-pounder, he was tall, long, very quick, especially with uh, low-leg attacks. He had a record of 120-15, and 15, four-time All-American for the Cowboys, fifth-third, fifth-second. That freshman year, he actually wrestled at 174 pounds when he got that initial fifth place. Um, One of the things that I look at when going through the careers of these guys is, did they beat an NCAA champion during their championship season? He has two of them. He beat Joe Hesketh, 7-5 in a sudden victory in a dual meet in 2002, and Troy Letters, 8-5 to five during a dual meet in 2004. Those were the only blemishes on either of those guys' records en route to their NCAA titles. Um, Lewis was also the number one seed in 2003. Correction, 2004, his senior year. Um, and then if you break down his losses... Seven of 15 losses were to eventual NCAA finalists. That's 47%. And then six of his 15 losses came as freshman season at 174. Um, He made the NCAA semifinals all four years of his career. Um, If you want to look at uh, some of the arguments against him, I guess you could say two and six record against the top guys of his era, the NCAA champions from 2002, 3, 4, Hesketh, Matt Lackey, Troy, La- Troy Letters, 1 and 2 against Hesketh, 1 and 2 against Letters, 0 oh and 2 against Lackey. And then I, I guess if you want to pair that uh, 1 and 3 record in the semis, again, I don't have great arguments against Tyrone Lewis. Um, I might have more with some of these other guys. Next guy I have, Jake Percival from Ohio. Now, if you notice, the first three guys I mentioned, Snyder, Lewis, and Lewis, they're from Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Minnesota. They had 
at least the Lewis's NCAA championship teammates. They had great practice rooms. Jake Percival was at Ohio University. No disrespect to Ohio, but not the same quality as Oklahoma State in the early 2000s in Minnesota. Um, Percival was one of the tougher guys on top, and you know he just had the huge moment. People know Jake Percival's name because of one huge moment, which yeah, I'll get to in a little bit. Um, the stats, four-time All-American, fourth, fifth, second, and third. Percival was four-time All-American, the first for Ohio and the first for the MAC Conference. Since then, there's only been one other. That was Ben Bennett, Central Michigan. Um, the career record's 142-10, and 10, and he was a four-time MAC champ since... He did that. There have been three others. Wynn Mahalik, Dustin Kilgore, and Ben Bennett. Five of those career losses were to guys who ended up finishing in the top three that season at the NCAA tournament. And in 2004, his only loss was in the NCAA finals to Matt Gentry. The two also met earlier in the season at an all-star match. Didn't count but it was a barn burner in which uh, Gentry just hung on, and uh, but again, doesn't count. Um, the, the big moment that I alluded to earlier, if you don't know, 2002 NCAA quarterfinals at 149 pounds. He's you know kind of an unknown guy. Goes out, Tech falls, undefeated Mike Zadick. It's it's not just an upset where, you know, he got a takedown in the first 30 seconds and stalls for six and a half minutes. He tech-falled Mike Zadick. <laughs> um, <clears throat> if you want to make the argument against him, um, looking through his big wins, and again, I've broken down every win and loss of his career. He never beat anybody who finished higher than fourth at Nationals in that same season. So his highest wins were over two fourth-place finishers, Trent Paulson, Alex Tirapelli, and two fifth-place finishers, Brandon Becker, Jamar Billman. Um, he did not have anybody over that fifth-place mark that he beat in 2003. So everybody he wrestled was lower than that. Um, he was never seated higher than fourth at the NCAA tournament. Um, he was twice a four seed, 2003 and 2004. Um, that's something I look at because I think that's indicative of, you know, their body of work throughout the regular season. Um, three times he lost in his career via fall and once by tech. Again, for most guys, that may not be a big deal, but when we're talking about this list, not too many of these guys got pinned that often. Um, but I still think he makes the cut. My next guy, John Trenge. He finished his career in 2005 wrestling for Lehigh. Um, 
he might be the top guy on this list if you actually rank the top 15 guys that I have. Um, he, his name might be the most common when you look at other people's lists. He was a three-time All-American for Lehigh, second, second, and third. He was not a four-time All-American because he did not compete at the end of his freshman season due to eye injuries. Um, you might remember him. He wore the goggles later on in his career. Um, he had a good uh, a good array of upper body stuff and inside trips, and he was an entertaining guy to watch for you know one ninety seven pounders. Um, overall career record one thirty three and fourteen. Um, if you look into those losses, two of them were his senior year by disqualification. I kind of throw those out the window. Uh, I'm going to say 12 losses for intents and purposes of this. Um, his wins, he had 16 wins over wrestlers that would finish in the top six that same season. That's a huge number. He has three wins against eventual NCAA champions in the same year of their championship. That was Mark Munoz, the future UFC fighter in 2001, and then he beat Jake Rochalt twice in 2005. He actually did not lose to Rochalt. Um, also, talking about his freshman season, he defeated both of the NCAA finalists, Munoz and Illinois' Pat Quirk. So, hey, maybe he gets to wrestle that freshman year, and he's not on this list. Again, that's that's wrestling, that's the breaks. I don't know what to say. Um, he had a win over a junior college national champion. He, before you roll your eyes, this was in 2002. That guy was Mo Wall. Went on to star at Oklahoma State the next season and was dangerously close to getting to the NCAA Finals. Trench was a two-time Midlands champ three-time EIWA champ. Again, he didn't get to wrestle to win that fourth title his freshman year. Twice, Trenge was a top seed at Nationals, 2003-2005. If you look at his, um, again, I'm throwing out two of those losses, making it 12 career losses. Six of them were to NCAA finalists. Three of them were to Kale Sanderson. One of them was at the NWCA All-Star match, which was 6-1, to one, Kale's senior year. I believe that was his closest match of that season. I never like to look at losses and points. And, you know, they can be misconstrued. But, you know, 6-1 to one to Kale, that says something. Um, again, there, are, there aren't too many, too much of a case to be made against him. Um... That 2003 NCAA final loss to Damian Hahn. Um, I guess it depends how you want to look at it. Um, if he would have turned around and ran away from Hahn at the end of the match, he'd probably be an NCAA champion. He didn't. He kind of went into him and Hahn took him down. Um, going for being such a highly touted guy. Um, for being maybe the top guy at this list, he was never undefeated 
heading into nationals, even his senior year. Um, and then, you know, if you want to say maybe some of this stuff, you know, the anger issues and stuff, uh, that costs those disqualification losses senior year, you know, maybe his focus wasn't, you know, that of an NCAA champion. I don't know. Um, I'm going to move along to the next guy on the list. Um, this, this will be a guy that I don't always see on the list when people post their list on message boards, but I've always thought he should be on there. Um, I a term I may, I'm surprised I haven't used yet is I like to say the eyeball test, you know, put the numbers aside, just watching him. Does he belong? And I felt this guy passed the eyeball test. Um, this is Chris Flieger. He finished his career wrestling for Purdue in 2006. Um, he was excellent with low leg attacks, brutally physical. Um, I spoke with Matt Valenti, um, his 2006 finals opponent, a couple, maybe a year and a half ago. And Valenti said when they wrestled as freshmen, that was his worst loss of his career maybe 15 to five, just brutal, nasty. And that win in the finals was a little bit of redemption. Um, there's also one other reason, which we're going to talk to and uh, talk of, about in a little bit when we're talking about the negatives with him. Um, maybe a reason why people don't throw his name out there, but the case for him, three time, all American third, second and second, 86 and nine career record out of those nine losses, six were to NCA finalists. Um, he was the number one seed in 2003 and he was undefeated that season and his three years he competed each year. He was knocked out of the top side of the bracket by the NCA champion. So, it wasn't like he got upset in the first round. He lost to NCAA champions. Um, he has 14 career wins over guys that went on to finish third through fifth that same season. And that's going to exclude, doesn't even include one victory we'll talk about later. Um, 4-0 record against Jason Powell. The That was... Powell was a NCAA champion in 2004. Three of those matches came in 2003, the year before. Um, and going to the case against him, did not get to finish his junior season. He wrestled up until the Cliff Keen Invitational, was academically ineligible, and then ended up missing part of his senior year because of these academic issues. You may say you got to take care of your business in the classroom to be able to get on the mat. Um, he didn't beat an NCAA finalist in the, in the same season. Not, not the worst thing in the world. Um, only one big 10 title. Um, you would expect a guy this, this good to have more than one big 10 title. Um, and then the, uh, the elephant in the room that I was alluding to is the 2006 
NCAA quarterfinals. Um, it was a four or five match between him and Mac Ryder. Um, Ryder was a four. He was the five. Both of those guys lost in the big tens to Tom Clum. So that's where they were matched up. And, uh, I believe it was a second period and, uh, he had legs in on Ryder. Ryder stands up and, uh, ends up kind of spiking him and Fleer was hanging off to the right side of Ryder and Ryder's shoulder kind of came down into his chest or rib area. The referee calls the illegal hold, gives Fleer a point. Fleer cannot continue. Ryder gone into the concies. Fleer moves on. Um, if you could see the message boards at that time, they were blowing up. What made it worse was in the semis, Flieger wrestles Sean Bunch. You know, Sean Bunch was a stud. You would think Flieger's going to be banged up and maybe gets his butt kicked. No, he goes out and beats Sean Bunch 9-2. to So that kind of led some people to question how hurt he was. Um, I'm not going to do that right now, but uh, I, I think that's a big reason why some of the people leave him off these lists. Um, the next guy, the next guy, he is an interesting one because when people make these lists on the message boards, his name is almost always on there and he passes the eyeball test for me, but I also have, it feels like a really good case against him. Um, so that's going to be Nick Simmons from Michigan State. He finished his career in 2007, the East Lansing Strangler. You know, he was he was a one-of-a-kind guy with the spladles and just suffocating on top. Uh, four-time All-American going seventh, fourth, fourth, and third. Um, his overall record was 138-20. and 20. He was a three-time Big Ten champ. And in the 2000s, there have been 12 three-time Big Ten champs. The only other one that did not win a national title was Michigan's Ryan Chirella. Um, let's see, we got, he is a three-time Midlands champ. And that was kind of in the tail end of the era where the Midlands, you know, started tailing off. But... If you know you want to say it's watered down, there have only been two three-time Midland champs since Simmons. You might have heard of them, Brett Metcalf and Jake Herbert. So people may say the Midlands isn't as tough as it used to be when people don't win three times. People don't win the Midlands three times. Um, he was the number one seed at Nationals junior and senior year. Junior year, he was undefeated coming into Nationals. Now, if you break down those 20 career losses, 12 came as a freshman. Um, those last three years, seven of his eight losses came to guys that were eventually top three in their weight class. That other one was his senior year to uh, TJ Enright in, uh, of Ohio State, which is kind of a weird outlier. He has two wins over national champions, in that same season, 2005 against Joey Dubuque, 
and then 2007 against Matt Valenti. Matt Valenti was also a returning champion that year, and Simmons beat him the open weekend at the Michigan State Open. And he has six career wins over NCAA finalists. So now we're going to go to the other side of Simmons. Obvious. Well, maybe not obvious. He never made an NCAA final. And he's a two-time fourth-place finisher. So, you know, there's sometimes where a guy gets upset, comes back, finishes third place, even though he may have been the best guy in his bracket. Well, twice a fourth-place finisher. Uh, the 20 career losses, you know, more than a lot of guys on this list. Um, and he actually never lost to the eventual NCAA champion at Nationals. Um, and he pretty much owned Coleman Scott and Kyle Ott. Uh, look, I'm a poet and I didn't mean to. Um, he pretty much owned those guys but ended up losing in the semis to them. Um, Ott in 2005 um, is kind of a controversial match. Uh, and then Scott in 2007. Um, what A match that I really remember very vividly was the 2006 NCAA semifinal. He wrestled a true freshman, Troy Nickerson. Of course, you know, Nickerson is... He's a stud, um, but he was a freshman. It's the third period. Um, Simmons chooses top on him to try to ride him out for a win. And Nickerson reversed him. And that, that just blew my mind that a freshman could reverse Nick Simmons. And again, Nickerson was no, you know, doing the air quotes again, freshman, but, um, it was, it was shocking to me. If you look at his seed, he never actually wrestled up to his seed at Nationals. Um, going from freshman to senior year, his seed was 5-2-1-1. And then uh, maybe a year ago, I was having a conversation with uh, kind of a prominent ex-wrestler. He was NCAA champion. Um, I don't want to use his name, but uh, I... I discuss this topic with him and he threw out some names to me and uh, he threw out a lot of names, but Simmons wasn't a name that he mentioned. And I threw it out there thinking maybe he forgot. And his response was, eh, you know, he didn't have a go-to takedown from neutral when he was losing by a point. He didn't have a high crotch or double or low single. That was his bread and butter that he could go to if he needed it. And, you know, looking back, uh, that was probably an accurate quote. Um, all that being said, I, I love Nick Simmons. I wrote some good stuff about him uh, a couple weeks ago when he retired. Um, and I do think he belongs on here. But it's just kind of uh, intriguing if you look at maybe the case against it. Um, going... On to my next guy. It's going to be Sam Hayeswinkle from Oklahoma. Uh, Sammy finished his career in 2007. He was a solid, just a well-rounded guy. He's, you know, competed on the world level in Greco and freestyle. Um, I, I said I'm not considering that stuff when doing this, but I think that just shows, you know, how well-rounded he was. He competed in that crowded 125 field. 
Um, I, I said Flieger earlier. You have uh, Simmons and Joe Debut, Kyle Ott, and Coleman Scott was in there a couple years. So, you know, there, there are a couple guys that had to lose. Um, Hayeswinkle, four-time All-American, third, 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 and second. 132-10 and 10 career record. Of those 10 losses, five were to an eventual NCAA champion that same season. And again, breaking down those losses freshman year, five of them, five of the 10 came as a freshman. Um, his, he was a three-time Big 12 champion. Um, he was twice the top seed at nationals, 2005, 2007, 2007, he came into Nationals undefeated. He had two wins against an NCAA champion that same season, his freshman year against Jason Powell, senior year against Paul Donahoe, both Nebraska guys. He has a career 15 wins against top five guys. And again, I mean top five guys who finished fifth or higher at NCAAs that same year. That case against Hayes Winkle. His first three years, he lost in the NCAA semis. Uh, twice were, came to lower-raked Joe Dubuque, um, 0-2 against Dubuque. Um, that 2007 loss to Paul Donahoe in the finals, 3-1 uh, to one in sudden victory, came two weeks after he majored him 12-3 uh, at the Big 12 Championships. And he also had two prior victories to Donahoe. Um, I remember that match. Um, I didn't really have any tie to either guy. I wasn't pulling for anyone. But it just felt like it was the right time for Sam to win. Um, he had paid his dues. He had you know, finally made it over to the hump to get into the finals. Wrestling a guy he had beat up pretty good recently. And then you're just you're reminded that wrestling isn't always fair. Um, and then I don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. He, I mentioned a similar statistic for Chris Flieger. Um, Hayes Winkle lost to the eventual NCAA champion every season at nationals. Um, again, that means he's not losing to nobodies. Um, you know, there are guys that are beating him are darn good but you know, a couple times he was slightly upset by Joe Dubuque um, so th that is the first half of my list um, if you join me next week I'm going to go through the second half of the list and then I'm going to try I got a couple guys I've tried to get on the show so I appreciate you tuning in to the first episode of Sudden History Wrestling. Again, if you'd like to contact me, Earl at D1CollegeWrestling.net, on Twitter, D1CW. And uh, thank you for tuning in, and do it again next week.